So those burdens we carry, once we IFS has a, a process and a practice to help us release those burdens, ergo, that I, that's why I titled my podcast, The Unburdened Leader, because I thought, my gosh, the more unburdened leaders out there, wow, the more impact we can make to that take the time to not just bypass and do the quick fix. How do I get the overwhelm to go away versus how do I really heal it? And release it. So IFS is just a powerful methodology to do that. This is your Kick-Ass Life podcast, episode number 364 with guest Rebecca Ching. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. Guess what? I have a new sign off. <laughs> I know this isn't probably a big deal to anybody else except me, but let's see. This is the 364th episode of Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. I've been doing this since 2013, and I've always had the same sign-off, which to be honest with you, came from, I think, way back in the beginning where I knew I needed a sign-off and couldn't think of anything to say and just sort of awkwardly said, see you out in cyberspace, and it stuck. So I'm sorry if... (laughs) anybody cringes. I was starting to cringe. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so corny. And plus, I just think sometimes things like that just are done. You know, I just was over it and wanted to have a new sign off for you. So I thought long and hard about it. And I'm going to allow you to wait, wait until the very end to to hear this new sign off. You might hear the old sign off in some, some episodes, maybe one or two over the next few months. But yeah, New sign-off, big exciting things happening over here. Speaking of new and exciting things, if you are interested in private coaching with us, head over to yourkickasslife.com slash coaching. There is an application button on there. We have a few different packages depending on what you want, depending on where you are in your life, depending on what kind of results that you're looking for, and also depending on your budget. So you can work privately with me. And then there's also the option of working with Liz Applegate, who is our lead coach over here, and she is phenomenal. So again, that's yourkickasslife.com slash coaching. And we have a return guest on the show today, Rebecca Ching is back. Rebecca is our resident therapist, not officially, just something I like to say because it sounds fancy. She's just amazing. And I was on her podcast, The Unburdened Leader, and I played that episode for you a handful of weeks ago. So you might remember that. And She's just someone I've gotten to know over the years, and I'm lucky enough to to call her a personal friend as well as a colleague. And she is working deeply in something called internal family systems. And I wanted to learn more about it, and I wanted to pass that on to you because, as you know, I'm always looking for things and ways and modalities for you to learn and live your best, most kick-ass life. So those of you who don't know Rebecca, let me tell you a little bit about her. 
Rebecca Ching is a psychotherapist, trauma-informed leadership coach, and host of the Unburdened Leader podcast. She helps established leaders, entrepreneurs, and business owners navigate the curveballs of life and leadership without sacrificing their health, important relationships, and their business bottom line. She believes these curveballs are what challenge our confidence, clarity, and courage, and understand what helps leaders achieve their current success usually does not help them move to their next level up. Of growth. Leaders seek out Rebecca to help them identify the blind spots of recurring struggles and develop their inner bandwidth to tolerate the vulnerability of growth during this season of life and work. So without further ado, here is Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca, welcome back. Hey, I am so thrilled to be back here. Thanks for having me. I think this is the third time you've been on. It might be the fourth, but I, I call you the resident therapist around here. <laughs> That's an honor. So anytime an honor. I have, I well, well good. And I, I say that with the utmost respect and love. And I, every time there's like a quote unquote therapy thing, I think to myself, like, I need to ask Rebecca about this and hopefully I can have her on the show to talk more about it, <laughs> which is why I brought you on because I've heard you talk about it on your podcast, The Unburdened Leader, and I've heard it kind of out in the therapy world, this term called internal family systems. And when I first heard it, I thought that it was related to, and maybe there's a different name for this, but how... And I don't know who the person was that, that came up with the theory that like everybody kind of has their place within a family. There's the peacemaker, there's the joker. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. That whole thing. Yeah. I mean, that's part of family systems. So that is definitely part oh, okay. of family systems where you see in general family systems um, that, you know, there's terms like the scapegoat or there's certain roles yes. that different people play and the evolution of family therapy. This was definitely something that was common that, you know, and I, I think, we, you know, it's something to handle lightly because we don't want to pathologize or put anyone in one role in a family. But, um, but yeah, that definitely is something that uh, externally, but we also hold a lot of these different parts of us internally too. Internally. Okay. So that's, that's what I want you to talk about. So explain to us, <laughs> to the layman, to the muggles, as I like to say, <laughs> what is internal family systems? Yeah. Internal family systems for one is a game changer way of viewing ourselves and others in the world. It's, it's a methodology. It's a lens on life more than just like a clinical theory. And at the heart of it is the sense of multiplicity. And now, okay, this isn't a muggle word, but the sense that there's many different parts of us internally. And it's very different than like, oh my gosh, I've got dissociative or multiple, you know, multiple personality disorder. It's not that at all. It's that we are born. We come to this planet with this inner multiplicity, this inner system that's just hardwired to work for us. And then as life happens, um, we experience grief, we experience betrayal, we experience loss or rejection. Our system starts to carry on the burdens and that inner system starts to adapt um, and take on and, and to morph as it's adjusting to these inner burdens. And so we've got kind of three components of this system. We've got this part of us, these parts of us that are protectors. And mm -hmm. wait, I'm gonna stop you for just a second, just so so I'm clear, because um, I'm wondering if other people are thinking this too. So so recently, I've had somebody on who talked about human design. I've had somebody who's talking about the Enneagram. So this is different, right? So in in within internal family systems, everyone has these three different parts of ourselves. Is that correct? Everyone has this 
beautiful multiple inner system and and you can layer in enneagram or human design like that's those are parts of us i mean it could be biology and it could be parts of our system too so we can layer that into it it's not like another thing it really is just an overall framework of these different parts and i almost don't want to like it's like there's i guess we'll just start like there's like the component of these parts of us that protect so when you talk about mm. resistance, when you talk about inner critics, when you talk about perfectionism, um, when you talk about workaholism, when you talk about people pleasing, people pleasing, addictions, a lot of these things, these are different parts of us that manage or they soothe, they comfort, and sometimes they soothe and comfort in ways that hurt us, like addiction or mm-hmm. like wanting to hurt ourselves. And at the heart of it, there are these parts of us called exiles that these emotions, these deep pains that have been exiled by our system so that we can function. And so they get exiled on these manager parts of us and soother parts of us work really hard, often and not in our executive functioning and our kind of thinking parts, but more in our subconscious. They work so hard um, to, to keep us from getting overwhelmed by those parts of us we've exiled in our stories, our traumas, right? But at this, mm-hmm. this is what was so interesting and starting as a clinician, um, recognizing, because so many people would say, if you've experienced trauma, you're just permanently damaged. You know, that's just, you know, s- mm-hmm. sorry, we can heal and help you get through, but you're always going to have, this is the rest of your life kind of feeling. But there was this sense when I would sit in front of somebody that I didn't feel that. I just felt like there was this essence. There was someone I'm like, you're not broken, you know, you are not broken. There's, it's just, you're buried in there. And so when I really dug deeper into internal family systems, which I was introduced to it in grad school and early on the founder of internal family systems, Richard Schwartz. Um, and you can read more about this at the ifs-institute.com, which is a great resource to learn more about this methodology. Um, he discovered this in the treatment of eating disorders, particularly bulimia. He's a bulimia, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, he, I think I read that. He's a purist, uh, foundationally purist family systems therapist too, which is he and I, I, my training and his training were very similar in structural family therapy. What does that mean, a purist? Um, I mean, he just was har- hardcore family therapy back in the day, really didn't think you had to look in the past. All you had to do was deal with the current family system. And if you reorganized it and helped it function well, they would heal. And it really was, a, oh. it was almost a rejection of this deep psychodynamic Um, coming out Uh of the psychoanalytic phase. And it was like almost a rejection of, we don't need to go too far. We just got to reorganize the system and deal with this, what's in, what's going on now or generationally. We could definitely look at generations. Um, And so Murray Bowen, who's Bowen Family Systems Therapy kind of moved that, but then Salvador Mnuchin, who I really studied his approach really, and he's from, shoot, I feel like somewhere in South America, I'm blanking right now. And so look into the multi-generational, many, many generations were living in a house. Um, but really, the there was like the people get all weird and theories and a little elitist and that's a whole nother conversation. But It sounds very complicated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the evolution, but so what Dick Schwartz was... You were talking about the founder and saying he was a purist. I, I sidetracked Yeah, that. yeah. And so he, but he's kept running into with... Uh, some clients that were really struggling with bulimia and started asking about these parts that wanted to binge and wanted to purge and just started having a conversation with them and asking them more about their jobs and their fears and their concerns and asking if they could get space and got started to 
dig deeper into this whole world. And, and then he started to layer in all these other different approaches and different theories and created internal family systems. And at the heart, though, it really sets IFS apart from some of these other lenses on healing is what he calls the self with, with a capital S, S-E-L-F. Mm-hmm. And the qualities of the self, um, courage, compassion, connection, creativity, calm, confidence, these qualities that when these different parts of us that have carried on burdens or have been exiled connect with that self, healing happens then. And the sense that, and, and it feels a little simplistic to say you've got the healing in you. And I think sometimes in the personal development world, there's like, you can heal it, you can do that. That's, yeah, that's a, it's a platitude that's common in this industry. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. It's this, it's this a relationship that when these parts really get to know 2020 you, you know, your present self, soul, and get to see that. Um, that's actually where the healing can occur. And so for me, that's what I help uh, my clinical clients and my leadership clients connect with, you know, f- connect with their present self with these different parts so that those parts, the protectors, uh, these the perfectionists, the people pleasers, the anxiety parts, and the overwhelmers, they don't have to lead them, they can lead their system. And so mm-hmm. it's these qualities of self and really connecting to that. And the tricky part though, Andrea, is that this is not something we think through. We really have to feel through it. And so, so many, especially entrepreneurs, um, business owners, um, you know, super moms, <laughs> people that are doing so many things, we think through, we toggle, but our intellectual thinking parts have a hard time relaxing. And so that's a big big bunch of the work that I do. And I've, I just came out of, um, I'm on a leadership team for a level two IFS training, a trauma neuroscience training uh, with Frank Anderson, who's phenomenal. And he reminded us that many of the parts of us that are inner critics um, that we have are connected to betrayal traumas and neglect traumas. And so I'm thinking, wow, neglect, emotional neglect in particular. And that's something a lot of people dismiss. They feel like, oh, I could have had it worse. But this emotional neglect that we have in our story, we dismiss those traumas. So so yeah, just really connecting biology with this complex inner system. And when people start to think about it at first, they get a little like, slow down, Rebecca, this is, there's all these parts of me, what should I do? Mm-hmm. It can feel disorienting. But it's a really, really powerful lens on healing and on leadership um, that is not offered out there. And it's super compassionate, but it also doesn't take shit either. It really has no room for injustice. It has no room for suffering, seeing the suffering of others. So that's where the courage and the confidence and the clarity comes in. And so, but it, it doesn't shame. It is all about, it really is so healing. And so it's almost a spiritual practice, some would say too, when you get really deep into it. That's so fascinating. Thank you for that explanation. And it it makes me think about, you know, because along this path that I have taken over the last 13 years, 14 years of my own personal development journey, there's been so many different modalities of healing along the way. You know, there's EMDR, there's IFS, there's, you know, personality tests like the Enneagram and human design. And then there's also, um, you know, energy work. And then there's meditation and Reiki. And there's so many different things. And I, I could see how it would be 
somewhat overwhelming for people who, because I know a lot of people that listen to this show are, you know, self-proclaimed self-help junkies, um, which I think is great. But also the way I view it is like, you can just take bits and pieces of what works for you and feels like the things that you're most attracted to that can feel hopeful and healing to you. So, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, you don't have to go all in pedal to the metal with your EMDR, like try it, give it a, you know, <laughs> commit at least to whatever your therapist recommends and heal from that. And then you can try something else. I just think almost the more, the merrier. Do you agree or do you disagree? Like I'm re- I would really love your thoughts on that because or maybe it's just my personality where I'm like, I want everything at the buffet. <laughs> Here's what I'll be very clear on. There are many, many ways to heal. And I have taken on, like you and I both are big proponents of Brene's Daring Way research and also mm-hmm. internal family systems. I'm a EM certified EMDR therapist and I've did that for several years before moving more into IFS. There are many ways to heal. And I tell everyone that I, any of the therapists I work with or supervise, that we have to trust the client. I think the client always knows. We don't, so it's a power over move if we sit there and we're saying we know better. I just call BS to that. There are many ways to heal. I will say my bias is towards mind-body approaches and Mm -hmm. my bias is towards approaches that are collaborative and inclusive and don't put the healer above the person seeking healing. Those are, my, those are my boundaries and how I look at it. Mm. But I, because I think that we can fall into scarcity and elitism, kind of saying, oh, what's better than the other? And so, yeah, there's a lot of people who will take your money and want your time and your resources and say, I'll fix you. Um, but I am biased towards the practices that are, these are lifelong practices. You know, shame resilience is a lifelong practice. IFS is a lifelong practice. That fits with my mindset, that fits with my lens on healing and on humanity and just on respecting the evolving kind of human story. We, we're not, we don't stay the mm-hmm. same. You know, you're, you and I were ta- yeah. talking before and you were joking about, you know, how you like to new, do new things. And, you know, it's amazing you stayed you know, in your marriage for so long. But <laughs> what I was going to say to that is, is because we are change, constantly changing. That's probably why, because we're changing. So the dynamic in marriage changes. So it keeps it fresh <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. I know for, mm-hmm. for, True story. for me too. So I, I think that it really depends. Uh, I would say that, Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better when you're really moving through something, whether you're doing clinical healing or you're doing some depth coaching. So to stick with it, the key is, do you trust the person that you have brought into your life to be your guide and Mm -hmm. your collaborator? And if you don't have a strong relationship there, if you feel shamed, if you feel powered over, um, you feel rushed, those are just flags and to bring that up. And so sometimes we have to stick through something because um, it's easy to tap out and go find some, because I'm a starter. I love starting. I love starting, fin- you know, but finishing has been a last 20 years working on, I'm going to commit to just not the shiny sparkly and, you know, all of that. So I know, mm-hmm. I know you get a little bit of that too. So I, I think though my bias is to stay, to, to stay curious about approaches that really involve not 
think changing just our thoughts because our bodies, our bodies hold so much that doesn't have words to it. So these approaches Amen. that are just like change your thoughts, change your life is a beautiful band-aid. It's a wonderful tool in intensive treatment, I believe. Like when people go to higher, higher level of care and they really work some straight CBT stuff or ACT and DBT and all these letters. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I love about IFS is you've got it in you. And it's not my job. Mm-hmm. It's, I, my job is just to be a guide to help you. And then you've got this. And to me, that really feels aligned. And to discover that power. And I think many people who, whether they're personal development junkies, people who are in any kind of helping profession, or even parents, teachers, educators, there's this sense of it's on you to make the person you're in charge of better. And what I love about IFS is it's like, no, the number one job for me when I'm with a client is to take care of my system. So the more I'm in self, the the more I'm going to catalyst for healing versus me figuring out and telling and analyzing which parts of me, my therapist parts love, my strategy parts love to jump. And I'll speak for them in session and I'll ask. Mm-hmm. But that's it's just a whole different dynamic than I think if we look at the history of healing it is there's it's entrenched with sexism and racism and patriarchy and toxic masculinity and IFS has really I mean obviously Brene's work was like great but IFS mm-hmm. is I talk about Brene's work clears the clears the weeds and IFS is the roots that helps maintain my shame resilience practices maintains my sense of self leadership and so it really helps me. And it doesn't mean that I sit there and take shit when I am in the face of someone who is being disrespectful or inappropriate, but I respond in ways that honor my system and are keep me aligned with my core values. And when I mess up, yeah. I respond accordingly. So mm-hmm. it, it really, it, so I would say my, my inclination is if you don't have a good relationship with the person you've invited in, that's, that's more of the issue. But if you're just kind of feeling like, oh, it's not going fast enough, or I feel stuck, hang in there, stay the course, keep talking to the person you've brought into your life to help you. And if you're leaning on trying to figure it out and think it through, I'm telling you, one of the most difficult things is to help our intellectual thinking parts relax. They're exhausted. And they're exhausted right. and there's from trying to solve the problem that's actually in your body. <laughs> yeah. And, and they don't, they don't trust. They have a hard time trusting. They think if they relax, you'll die and it feels extreme. But again, mm-hmm. if we think even the parts that want to do self-harm or want to cause us to lapse in recovery or lash out on somebody, those parts are literally their number one job is to try and protect. And once we start to see that I have such compassion so when someone's sitting in front of me with some really dark stuff where they've hurting themselves or saying about others, I have such compassion. I can stay curious and connect. And those parts are often ostracized by society, right? Oh, we love to just right. to hate on the addicts or the perpetrators or, um, you know, again, because I think, my gosh, I, I sat with my first uh, level one IFS training. I, I met this guy who's been in the, in the, in the IFS arena and for a long time. And he had some of the most horrific trauma I've ever heard. And that's saying a lot because I'm a trauma specialist. I've heard a lot in 18 years. And we had lunch as we were talking about something as I wanted to learn about you and I both have in common, we both have a kid on the spectrum. And I was wanting to Mm -hmm. ask him about some things. And he looks at me and he says, well, you know, I had, I, before I retired, I was working hundred percent with perpetrators. And I put my fork down. I was like, what? Because I've always been like, I work with survivors and we, you know, we're going to, and, mm-hmm. and he was like, yeah, like 
I knew that if I, I had to go there, because if I really wanted to be a part of the change, I had to do the work with those that wanted to heal um, from being perpetrators. And I was like, Whoa. Wow. And, and it brought me back to when Brene was interviewed on um, Tim Ferriss's podcast when she was promoting her Rising Strong book, which is one of my favorite interviews, not only because she made Tim Ferriss a little speechless because you don't know what to say. I haven't heard that one. I've never listened to his podcast before. I'll have to listen to that episode. Oh, he had a beautiful one come out. I haven't either, but he talked about um, his own healing journey and I think it probably will save lives. So it's worth checking out. But there was a part where he said, okay, some people deserve a little bit of shame. And Brene said, listen, if there's somebody out there that's hurting somebody and they're feeling shame, they're going to not come up. They're going to keep it quiet. They're going to hide. But if someone's feeling guilt, guilt about it and recognizing, I don't want to do this anymore, they're going to get help. And we need to put those away who are unsafe and are hurting people and don't mm-hmm. want change or aren't capable of it. And that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, right. But it was a really cool place. So I think to me, I merged. I, it's hard for me to separate IFS from Brene's research. They're just so intertwined. But this place of you know, there's there's a, a book that Richard Schwartz wrote, You Are the One You've Been Waiting For. And it's a couple's mm-hmm. book. I've heard of it. I haven't read it. It's a couple's book, but I recommend it to everybody because we're all in relationship. And it really is like, you know, so many of the approaches in couples therapy are about, you know, you know, you have to be there for me and, you know, it's your job to show up for me. But the reality is, is sometimes our partners, our best friends, our coworkers, our teammates, whatever, they have days. <laughs> They have weeks like we've been having or months lately where it's hard for mm-hmm. them to be who we need them to be. So how can we show up for our system and lead our system and have compassion for the parts of them that are pissing off the parts of me? And, you know, I know it sounds a little confusing, but it really just is like it, it instead of blaming my husband, you know, when he again for the gazillion time left his laundry in the bathroom after his shower instead of putting it in the laundry basket, I know, oh, when he does that, he's having a rough time. So I go check in on him. And then say, okay, and parts of me are still irritated that you're doing this. Come on. But speaking for parts of me, instead of saying, I am, you are, is Mm -hmm. also a a nice differentiator. So it really is this, it it is a whole paradigm shift of how we see change and how we see leadership on how we see healing. But I definitely recommend also Richard Schwartz's book, Introduction to Internal Family Systems. It's a book with trees on it. And it's an easy, beautiful, non-wonky read that introduces the model. And also you are the one you've been waiting for. Because mm-hmm. right now we're in a very polarized country, polarized world. Yeah. And if we can sit with our inner polarities, you know, an easy one is, do I want chocolate ice cream? Do I want vanilla ice cream? Right. I don't, part of me wants mm-hmm. this. But it's like a part of me wants to run away and a part of me wants to punch them in the face. If I can deal with and lead those two parts instead of having them overwhelm me. And that's what this approach helps us do. And that's the real work. That's the real work. And we want to bypass it. We want to emotionally and spiritually bypass the difficult things. Our thinking parts do, the parts that know that if we feel through it, we might be, we are, they're afraid that we're going to be taken out. Mm-hmm. And there's also this culture in the personal development spiritual world too, that if you're feeling conflict or angst or worry that you're, you're not enough, that's where the scarcity comes in again. Right. Versus with IFS, this is a phrase, it's a cheesy phrase, but it's all parts are welcome. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And, and we still, I still sometimes say, Oh, they're blended. They're in a part. And I can hear sometimes, you know, people get a little judgy about it, but instead of, 
I'm feeling judgy because they're blended right now. It's, it's just a different way of talking, but you know, it's helped me get through these last four years. And, you know, it's, it's been a, a practice for me to imagine those that are so harmful. I imagine them as babies, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and yeah, yeah, and, as somebody's baby. And I, I talk to my kids, I'm like, we won't dehumanize. We can call, we will hold people accountable. And, but we will not because it darkens our hearts and mm-hmm. it makes us feel better for a moment. So yeah, yeah. IFS is, it's, it's, a, it's a lifelong practice. I mean, it's just, it, it really is a game changer, but my justice parts and my fair parts sometimes get annoyed with it because they just want to go, can we just crush them? Can we just like have yeah, them know just today. they're wrong, you know? And the more I get into it, it just is, it's more about my own story of, you know, people not standing up for me or people watching me be hurt and not doing anything about it. And these parts like, we're not going to watch that anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and it sounds like once you become fluent in it, you, you st- a, a huge part of it is, ba- is about boundaries because it's not about letting people treat you poorly because you're welcoming all the parts of them. I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words about one of our sponsors. This year, my husband took on the task of planning, shopping for, and cooking dinner. Since he's never done this before, we were looking for a solution to make that giant task easier. Green Chef recipes are quick and easy with step-by-step instructions, chef tips, and photos to guide you along. They have a diverse array of meal plans with plenty of options to choose from each week. One of the meals we had that I was mildly obsessed with, orange sesame chicken salad. It was so good. It did say that it served two, but it could have easily served three, and I know because I ate the leftovers out of the big giant salad bowl. With Green Chef's wide variety of high-quality, clean ingredients, you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. Green Chef is a USDA-certified organic company, includes recipes for paleo, keto, and plant-powered diets. Go to greenchef.com slash kickass90 and use code kickass90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com and use code kickass90 to get 90 bucks off your order, including free shipping. And thank you for supporting our sponsors because that in turn supports this show. And now back to the conversation. I want to take a a short detour real quick because you mentioned something that popped out to me and I I wonder if people are wondering this. You said a few minutes ago about trusting your practitioner, whether it's your your therapist or your coach. And uh, a few years ago, I did an episode and I can drop, we'll also drop the link in the show notes to those books and that, that Tim Ferriss podcast episode. But I did an episode about how to find a great therapist and, you know, what questions to ask and how to get the most out of therapy. And what I heard a lot from people, from listeners, is they said, I stayed with the therapist longer than I wanted to. You know, I didn't trust him or her. I didn't know how to, how to get out of it. So can you, give, can you give people maybe like a script <laughs> of how to, like if they're not trusting or if they want to, because I'm, I'm assuming people just kind of ghost their therapist, which happens a lot. But what's your advice on that? Yeah, I'm thinking that's a really good question. <sighs> okay, so here's what I'd say. As soon as you're starting to feel doubts, speak for them and speak that to, again, your therapist, your coach, your whoever you're bringing in to help you speak for those doubts and how they respond, how your therapist and co- or coach responds will be good data. 
Parts mm-hmm. of me are. Can you give us an example yeah. of like what what that might sound like? Yeah, exactly. So I, was, I would, you know, if I was working with you, if you were my clinician, Andrea, I would be like, you know, Andrea, parts of me are feeling like this isn't going anywhere, and I'm feeling a little off. Like sometimes I feel like you don't like me or like you're trying to get me to do something and I'm not doing it. And I just wanted to Mm -hmm. speak for that because it's starting to get in the way of me enjoying coming here. And, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I will, I will sidestep from that because if I, I tell my clients at, at the intro, if I say something, do something, express something that makes you feel angry, frustrated, confused, overwhelmed, hurt, it is important you bring it up because if, you can, this is a microcosm of life. This is the practice. I'm responsible for my feelings. You don't have to protect me or take care of me. I'm like, so I always say, if you wanted to hurt my feelings, I'm sure you could, but this is what I'm mm-hmm. here for. So I would say you need to raise it. And if you're not comfortable saying it, shoot an email to them and say, hey, yeah. I wanna, can we talk about this? That's the work. So part of the work is you speaking for you. And if the therapist is like, you're just resisting, you're just avoiding, or, you know, instead of like, tell me more, let's, this is big here. You know, I always say you are, I am, I always tell my clients, I'm here because you've asked me to be here and I'm going to give you my A game as long as you want me here. And it makes sense for both of us. And so to bring those concerns up, the parts that want to ghost and disappear, usually if this, if your system isn't ready to or comfortable with endings, if they have a hard, if you have a hard time with endings or goodbyes, ghosting may be easier. And I have compassion for that. And I for sure have seen that in the years, not as much um, for me, but I know a lot of the clients that I've worked with over the, or the therapists I've worked with over the years have experienced the ghosting. Um, yeah. Sometimes people want to say goodbye in different ways. So bringing it up, speaking for it. And if you just need a break, you get to take a break. It's your life. It's your recovery. You're accountable Mm -hmm. to you in the end. So if you're like, you know, parts of you're like, you know what? I still want to drink. I still want to use. I still want to engage in these behaviors. I just want to, and sometimes my clients are, have so much work to still do, but they get tired of deep recovery and they need a break. And I'm like, you know, it can be exhausting. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. And so I think it's important that the therapist is there because you've asked them to. They're on your support team. You are leading your life. You are leading your recovery. I always tell them, I'm, I'm an expert on all these nerdy theories and therapies and approaches, but my clients are the experts on them. And we, mm-hmm. and we come together and bring that together. I, of course, I see kind of patterns and trends over the years, but but yeah, and, it, and it's, it's, it's really a very unique dynamic. There really isn't any relationship like that, especially in the clinical realm because of all the laws and ethics around it. That's high, yeah. highly personal and highly professional. So again, everyone's got different styles, but I, I would say it's important to speak for that. And if you're not comfortable speaking that to your therapist, that's data for whatever reason, whether it's about your system, about them. And you get to, you are the, you are in charge of it. And it's, it's not quitting, you know, cause we've got, mm-hmm. a, you know, some of the stuff, it's like, you got to push it and you, you're, you're lapsing. And if you're, you're, you know, some of this power over stuff. And sometimes I see um, in the recovery realm, it feels sometimes not respectful of other parts that have need a voice and need a break or want something different. There's so many different styles. Sometimes you want to mix it up with recovery yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I I had an interesting experience recently with this last therapist that I'm working with. And, you know, I hired her specifically to do deep trauma work. And 
like what you were saying, like really focus on the mind body connection because I'm really good at the mind stuff and like done so much talk therapy. Like I have talk therapy to spare. So, and it's all been helpful. It's all been helpful. And I told her, and I, and I think because I've done this work for so long and also as a facilitator, I, I knew that I was going to have to deeply trust someone in order to tap into my body and have these deep, you know, this, to, to have her facilitate this trauma therapy. I also have serious trust issues. And so I named it. And because she asked me, because we'd had like six sessions of, you know, talking and she was like, are you ready to do, you know, X, Y, and Z? And I paused and I said, no, I'm, I'm not. And like, there was a part of me that was like, you should be ready. It's time. You've had enough sessions. She knows enough about your history. Stop trying to like dance your way around this. But, and I, and I was really frank with her and I said, I probably said something like, don't take this personal because I, I wanted to spare her feelings because I still do that sometimes. But I said, I don't trust you enough yet. And she was so grateful that I shared that with her. Yes. She's like, I'm so glad you told me that. And she didn't take it personally. At least she didn't look like it over Zoom. <laughs> Not at all. And so we did, you know, we're doing a few more and I'm getting very, I'm getting closer, but it also helped me trust her more that she didn't take that personally and that I was able to say it in the session. So uh, your language there, a part of me still felt, you kind of just said that right now, a part of me still felt. Mm -hmm. So you spoke for that part, that part got witnessed by your clinician. Mm -hmm. She responded in a way that helped that part relax a little bit and not shut down your being in that relationship. And so speaking for those parts. She didn't push me to do something that I wasn't ready to do. No. You, we, and we can bulldoze anybody, but that's not sustained change. And that's just power over. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, again, mm-hmm. sometimes in a life or death situation, I'm going to be very direct. I mean, that's what I tell my clients. I get very direct. If like literally imminent harm is here, that is my mandate. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's for mm-hmm. any human being, it's our mandate to, to protect. But again, this is about the client, not the therapist. It's about the client-therapist relationship or the coach-client relationship. That it's the relationship, the container. But it's okay to, it's so important to speak for those doubts. And because you spoke and she expressed gratitude and your system said, I actually kind of believe her that she is grateful. Yeah. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe we'll, 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 we won't shut this down yet. That's the work. That's the nuanced work. And you were leading your system by speaking for that part of you that's like, oh, you know, I, I mean, trust is a big deal mm-hmm. for me too. I've got to, to, to certain extent, I can be very open. And then there's like a place where there's like a vault, <laughs> you know, the inner circle mm-hmm. vault. And it's like, yeah, very, very, very few people have ever gotten past that. And, and for good yeah. reason. So I think that's a really good approach. I mean, we want to be drawn to methodology, but the research is so clear that the, the most important thing, actually, the most important thing in healing, and this is done for psychotherapy, the most important thing for healing happens outside of the office. But the second most important thing is the relationship. Do Does the client and the therapist, are they, are they connected? Are they aligned on the same page? And then the theory. And so, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. It's fascinating, this work, for sure. It, it really is. I want to ask you one more question about IFS. And so when someone, can you give us an example of, of say when someone's working through it, or that maybe they've, they've done a lot of healing with IFS, how might they resolve a conflict, like a common conflict? Yeah. So let's say you said something that hurt my feelings, right? So we, 
I'll kind of just talk you through it. So, you know, if we had a conversation and I felt this flash of kind of anger or shame, I immediately mm-hmm. do what's called a Y-O-U turn. I do a U-turn. And so instead of lashing out to you, I would probably say, whoa, I need a moment. And I'd probably pause that if possible. <laughs> and then I would check in and I would, fi- I would scan my body and go, where am I feeling this? So immediately I'm differentiating and I'm not being overwhelmed. I am not my shame. I am not the anger. So I check and see where I feel it in my body. And usually I feel it in my stomach or kind of the sternum area. Uh, for those types of emotions. And then I would just pause and notice it. And I would just take a moment just to notice it and see if there's any images or words, uh, emotions, memories that come up. I would check then and see how I feel towards it, not think. And this is really hard to do on your own. This is one of the hardest things with my clients. I'm like, how do you feel towards it? And they give me, I think it's, you know, (laughs) and so Mm -hmm. I check and see what, and usually I'll be like, parts of me are like, shut that shit down. There's a lot of judgment towards it. Um, There's a lot of like, let her have it. And so then I see other parts so I can identify other parts. But until I get to a point where I might have to deal with those, that, those parts. So whether I do that my own work or I bring that to my IFS work. Uh, but I also hopefully can get to a point where I can have compassion or a little bit of curiosity. And then, then I know there's enough self-energy there. And so then I deal, I check in with that. And then I start to get curious about what its job is and what its job is, what it does to protect me. What's it afraid would happen if it didn't do its job? So this part that wants to, you know, in you know, in Brene's work, we talk about the, the shame shields, right? And mm-hmm, um, you know, mm-hmm. move away, uh, move towards, and move against. I've got move toward, move against. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I've got move against, especially if you know, I will cut you, you know. And the move oh, against yeah. ones. That's what I was raised in that too. So it's definitely, you know, been modeled. Throwing daggers. Yeah, mm-hmm. been modeled. And so, so then I would just text. So I, whether I'm writing all of this down whether I'm debriefing with a colleague. Um, Sometimes I've got some folks in the IFS community. I'm like, I need to speak for some parts and just download this. But we differentiate it. And it's so important to know, wow, I had a part that was afraid of this showing up. I had another part that really judged it, another part that wanted justice in the moment. Awesome. And so I work with those parts. And again, this is hard to do on your own. So again, this and it's super fun work to do, not only in psychotherapy, but I love doing this with leaders because sometimes it's like, just do your job. This is in the manual mm-hmm. or we talked about this in your interview, you know, so we get to, so if, the, if we can lead ourselves well in moments of conflict, then we're going to be able to lead others well. So yeah. sometimes it's, so this is, so this is what you're describing. I feel like is someone who's pretty well-versed in the work. For sure. Do you, so do you kind of do these debriefing things with clients? All like the maybe time. something that happened that week. Okay. All the time. Gotcha. Continue. This please. is, yeah, this is just the practice. It's the YOU turn. And I've got whiplash. I mean, this last four years I've had whip, whiplash <laughs> of U-turns. It's like, shit. you know, cause there's some, some parts of me come on, come on. We don't want to look in here. Can we just, can we just attack? Can we just go for it? Can we shut yeah. this down? And I'm like, mm-hmm. we could, and we wouldn't feel better, you know? And they're like, yeah, we would. And I'm like, no, here's, and we kind of check in. And so, because again, the, you talked about the boundaries of it too. And to me, it's the, the, the alignment and the values. These parts want to protect, because like I've got, again, the strong justice parts. It's really building a relationship with them. Once they know and trust you can handle hard things, they don't mm-hmm. they also they often can change roles so the the people pleaser or the justice pursuer you know or the power over or the 
um, or the shutdown, whatever, they, they sometimes go to the original job that they were, you were born with, and that's the work. But often, it's, it really is when I feel that strong flash of anger, it's like 80% me. Because sometimes it's just, it is about them. When people are saying and doing harmful things, they're not off the hook. And I want to be very, very, very clear with this. This empathy and compassion towards our system and towards really broken, painful parts of others is one thing, but it's not remiss of boundaries and accountability. I want to make very, yeah. very, very clear. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I can respond to injustice aligned with my values and not doing harm to myself or other people with this practice. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to speak for parts of me that say, this isn't tolerable anymore. This isn't okay. And this is on you. And, you know, and, and so it is this interesting dance. My job isn't to take care of everybody else's system, but I can have compassion towards how my system responds to it. And sometimes I need a lot of distance. And we were just talking a little bit. Yeah, about sometimes that. you need to love people from afar. Oh my gosh, I'm a professional love people from afar person. <laughs> <laughs> I've got frequent fire miles. Learning of that. how to do that. And, <laughs> and, and, and and there's a lot of different judgments on that, but it's, it's again, we're just checking. You mean from society? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a lot mm-hmm. of shoulds. If you were healthy enough, you could do, I mean, ever there's the narratives out there that are, if you loved your family enough, if you loved your family yeah. enough, if you were strong enough, if you're a good leader, then you would have done this and not done that. And everyone's got, everyone can Monday night quarterback and our system has breathed in these external opinions. But if our system trusts, trusts self and knows that, okay, and the burdens of our traumas and our betrayals and our despairs have been relieved from our, like that energy, because that's part of IFS mm-hmm. at the heart of it. What's so unique is that we can release, there's a whole deep practice to release those burdens, whether it's from a protector oh, okay. or whether it's from an exile. Protectors and exiles can carry the burdens of our traumas and our pain. That's why they function the way they do. And so the soothers that soothe with getting drunk or self-harming or getting high, um, not wanting to live or gossiping, um, workaholic, all that stuff, when they, you know, and again, it, and we've seen this actually IFS and um, impact our neuroscience and our brain chemistry too. They're starting to do some preliminary studies with that and notice. Oh, how exciting. Yeah. It's been, again, Frank Anderson's got a book coming out in the spring. Uh, so, and he's one of the lead trainers in IFS who have had the privilege of working with. So he, I've learned a lot from him in that area. So really seeing the connection. Now, this is something I really speak for too, what I've learned. Uh, when I first took this training, with, it was with Dick and uh, Frank. Remember, I've got asthma and, and so does Dick. And he was talking about how, you know, if I put my head in a bowl of dust, I'm going to have an allergy attack. You know, I'm going to have an asthma right. attack. Um, but he said, my parts can also tap my asthma and take me out too. And so we've got so many people that have a lot of somatic issues. Sometimes what we want to figure out what's biology and what are parts tapping biology. And that's fun work too. And it's empowering. Now the thinking parts are like, wait, I can get my system to stop doing this. And then, so it's just, it can be, but it's really, it's really empowering for clients, but with complex trauma. And a lot of people have complex emotional neglect trauma. Which sure. it wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily physical or sexual abuse, but it's this these betrayals of attachments and neglect. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I want to just speak to that because a lot of people think, oh, I was taken care of and I was provided for and I had opportunity. Um, but w- living in this culture, we breathe in these things. And so 
I think a lot of us are, are you know, struggling with that. So those burdens we carry mm-hmm. once we, IFS has a, a process and a practice to help us release those burdens. Ergo, that I, that's why I titled my podcast, The Unburdened Leader, because I thought, my gosh, the more unburdened leaders out there, wow, the more impact mm-hmm. we can make to, to take the time to not just bypass and do the quick fix. How do I get the overwhelm to go away versus how do I really heal it and release it? Yeah. So IFS is just a powerful methodology to do that. Yeah, because even if you get the overwhelm to go away, it, it, it's like that saying, like, wherever you go, there you are. Like, you're still going to have the parts of you that need to be healed and, or I should say that, that would really benefit from being healed. So it's so fascinating. Thank you for going so in depth about it and everything. And is there anything before we wrap up that you want to say that you didn't get a chance to say, and we're going to put, we're going to put everything in the show notes for people who are interested in working with you and, and everything. But is there anything else that you want to say? Yeah, I, I guess when I encourage people that asking for help, um, whether you're feeling stuck, even if it's not a big deal, whether you're feeling stuck or um, overwhelmed or struggling, just I would encourage you to explore this approach. And there's just so many, make sure to paying attention to our mind-body approaches are really is really where I think the next level healing and the next level of leadership is. Um, and that this is a lifelong practice. There isn't one and done. And I think that message of just walk through the coals and you've overpowered and you've, you're victorious for the rest of your life, um, has, we've been sold a bit, bill of goods. And so, you know, the more leaders that, and just humans that are doing this work, um, just, I think the more whole and healthy um, our world will be. So I just, I'm just grateful for everyone who's listening, who continues on that journey, because the world's a better, safer, um, more impactful place, because you're daring to do your own work. So I'm just grateful for that. Amen. Thank you again for being here and being our resident psychotherapist. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye, everyone. Thank you. You know how valuable I, I know that your time is. And, and, uh, and remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye, everybody. 